0: conspiracy for Oh, and this is um episode 69 and we're talking about the legend of Frankenstein monster.
1: Yeah, and this is the last installment for the month with the uh with the uh, universal monsters. We talked about the wolfman, we talked about Dracula, we talked about the mummy, we're talking about Frankenstein. And I think out of out of all four, this is probably the saddest story. Yeah. Okay, because I mean, you think about it. You know, the monster gets created. Uh, he's hideous. Nobody can look at him. His own his own creator hates him. You know, it's like he didn't ask to be born, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of like kind of a tragic story for the monster, even though he does kill people. Yeah. But um, the interesting thing about Frankenstein is there's, you know, such a difference between the book and the movies that we all know and love. Yeah. Um, have you ever read the book, Rob?
0: I read the book probably many years ago, like when I was in school, you know? It was like one of those, you have to read. Re-
1: required, yeah, required, required things. Yeah, I think, I think
0: I read it in school too, but I've read it maybe two or three other times
1: uh, on my own. And, you know, just like Dracula, it's just one of those books that everybody should read once. Yeah. Because, you know, just to get an idea. And it's such a, such a different... Kind of story compared to what you're used to In the films Um, It's told in the same Way as Dracula And that's in like Letters and diaries and you know Stuff like that okay and different People speaking for long periods of Time Uh, it's very You know uniquely written So uh, Mary Shelley is the English author That wrote this Uh, it's called Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus.
0: Hey, let me That's ask the, you a question. What do you think hmm. of the art of that woman? She was a strange bird, right? The author, Mary yeah. Mary Shelley? Yeah, yeah. She um,
1: seemed to, uh, you know, her, her mother was a famous uh, author, uh, Mary Wallencroft, I think yeah. was her name. Um, I think her father di- you know, her mother died giving birth to her. And then uh, her father died later on. And, you know, she had. Very. She grew up kind of quick. I mean, by the time she was preparing to write Frankenstein, she was about, I think, about 16, 17 years old. She was young. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, many people consider Frankenstein to be a gothic novel. And it is because it came out during that time, that gothic period in Europe. But also um, it, it really can be considered to be the first science fiction novel.
0: Yeah, it was the first science fiction, because how many books do you have of creating another human being?
1: Yeah, and not only that, just
0: by a process of chemicals
1: and, you know, surgery and things like that, uh, that was science fiction of the time. So it definitely is the first science fiction book. Now, interestingly enough, the first printing of this book was written anonymously. She didn't put a name on it. Okay. Uh, it was published in London when she was just 18 years old. That was in 1818. 18.
0: Yeah, but you know, that's uh, the reason, because she was so young, she didn't want to put her name on it. And I think because she didn't want people to know that, because she was probably related to her mother, was also an author, she didn't want that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: she was married to uh, to Percy Shelley at that point. Yeah. And that's a very interesting thing, because... He met her when she was very young, under 16. He was married. Uh, they began a relationship when she was just a teenager like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think she might have gotten pregnant before they were married, when they were traveling. So it was like you know, a scandal, basically. And um, like I said, the first edition of the book, uh, she wrote anonymously, but the second edition had her name on it. Now, the idea of Frankenstein actually came two years earlier in 1816 when Mary, uh, Mary's lover and future husband Percy Shelley, and Lord Byron had a competition to see who could write the best horror story. Now, after thinking for a few days, Shelley was inspired to write Frankenstein. Uh, She imagined a scientist who created life and then became horrified by what he made. Now, some say... Uh, the, the names, well, for instance, Frankenstein itself uh, actually exists um, in Germany. There is a, a town of Frankenstein. There is a castle Frankenstein uh, that predates anything to do with the book. Um, supposedly, Percy, uh, Shelley and, and Mary uh, traveled through Germany and may have been through that town or heard of it or something. Uh, she always kind of denied it, okay. Uh, not sure if if she just never wanted to reveal any of the sources, or or did she really make it up? We don't know. But um, basically, the book is a what's called a frame story, and written in epistolary in, in form, okay, which is what I described like do, documents, diaries, news clippings. Kind of like the way Dracula was written. Yeah, it's a um, lot of, many it, decades later.
0: Yeah, it goes through years uh-huh. and years. It's a lot of stuff. It's it's interesting stuff if you ever read the book. And they got they got such a cast of characters that a lot of people don't even realize.
1: Yeah, and and it's it it never really was filmed, uh, in the movies exactly as the book. I'll get into that a little bit after. Like like a lot of the movies have just taken pieces of the story, yeah. or or just kind of like redid what other movies did and change the story around. But um, it basically documents a fictional correspondence between uh, Captain Robert Walton Mm -hmm. and his sister, Margaret Walton Seville. Uh, The story takes place in an unspecific time in the late 1700s. Um, Walton himself is a failed writer who sets out to explore the North Pole in hopes of expanding any scientific knowledge we may have on the area. Now, during that voyage, the crew... Spots a a dog sled Okay, on the ice Driven by a gigantic man Eight feet tall Easily, okay And then a few hours later The the same crew rescues A nearly frozen and dead man Who turns out to be named Victor Frankenstein Now he has been in pursuit, he says Of that gigantic man Driving the dog sled Mm -hmm. Okay, and that was seen by the crew earlier Now Frankenstein at that point, begins telling Walton his life story. Um, he tells about his childhood in Naples, Italy. He's born into a wealthy Genevan family, Swiss family. Yeah, but he becomes at a young age obsessed with studies of theories about the alchemists. Okay, that the history of all the alchemists in Europe, and he also studies chemistry as well. You know what alchemists is, right? Alchemy. What is that? Alchemy is is. Uh, you know, it's a well. It's not a real science, but it's like they believe that they could change one substance into another with chemicals, like lead into gold.
0: Yeah, people yeah. used
1: to try to do that.
0: Yeah, so there was so, pretty much a, another form of scientists that tried to change stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were alchemists throughout all of uh, of history. Scientists they yeah. were usually magicians and alchemists at the same time. Um, Everybody was always trying to change something into gold, usually lead.
0: Hey, let me ask you a weird question. Would you consider Jesus one of them? Because he could change water into
1: wine. To wine? I think it'd be a higher order than an alchemist. But yeah,
0: I guess there is something to that. I don't know. I never thought about it. Think that. about that. Like He was just got a guy that knew how to do stuff. And all right, let me change this into that. Maybe he was a,
1: who knows? It could- That's hey, there might have been some some, you know, method to to what was going on there. I don't know. Uh, That's that's interesting. I mean, the Bible has them just do it, doing it supernaturally. But you never know, man. Even in those days, there were there were alchemists, people trying to change things into into other substances. But as a young man, Frankenstein attends the University of uh, Ingolstadt in Germany. And his excellence in chemistry leads to a secret technique that he invents, Uh, He's able to give life to non-living things using certain chemicals. Okay, now the book is very vague as to what chemicals, but uh, the idea is is that he can change things that are dead and reanimate them. So prior to his time in university, uh, right before he left, uh, Victor's mother dies suddenly of scarlet fever. So he kind of throws himself into his studies and he soon develops this plan using these chemicals to create a human being, a humanoid type of creature. Um, The problem he was having is if he created one that was to to scale, you know, the same size as the average man, maybe 5'10", 5'11", okay, The, the intricate parts of the body, the very small parts, he couldn't work on them because they were so small. So he decides to make the person big. Okay, in proportion, but just big. Yeah. So he he makes him eight feet tall. Yeah. Right. And uh, despite his attempts to make the creature handsome, okay, in some way, uh, once he starts working on it, he realizes that it's going to be quite a hideous man, okay? (laughs) Uh, It's got watery white eyes, yellowy skin that you could see the muscles and veins underneath, Okay. And repulsed, when he, when he brings it to life, he's, he's repulsed and disgusted. And he, he just, you know, realizes, oh, my God, what did I just do? And uh, he runs away from his laboratory, wanders into the streets all night. And in the morning, he runs into his childhood friend named Henry Clerval. Uh, he takes Henry back to his place to kind of show him what had happened. But when he gets there, there's no creature. The creature's gone. Gone, yeah. Okay. So, Victor actually has like a mental breakdown from that whole thing. And he's nursed back to health after a four-month recovery by his friend, Henry. Um, But when he wakes up from his recovery and and he's all better, he gets a letter from his father uh, that his brother, William, was murdered in Geneva, where the family had relocated. Um. Victor goes to Geneva and then he realizes he's he's there only a little while and he's at the crime scene of the murder of his brother and he sees the creature, okay, near the crime scene and he realizes this creature just killed my brother. I know it, okay, but what had happened was when the murder of William occurred, they locked up. The, mur- the 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 william's nanny whose name was justine okay she actually gets convicted of the murder because a locket that william always carried in on him was found in her pocket and it was a locket that had a picture of victor and william's mother in it um victor kind of doesn't want to say anything because he knows nobody's going to believe him that this creature or somebody else could have killed william so He stays silent and Justine is actually hanged for the murder. And, um, he's guilty. He feels terrible for what he did. He's, he's racked with grief about his brother. So he retreats into the, into the Alps outside Geneva, into the mountains. And while he's hiking, he's suddenly approached by the creature. Okay. Who pleads with him to hear his story. All right. Uh, the, the when the creature starts speaking victor is is shocked because he's speaking very intelligently very articulately articulately um and he starts telling him about his first few days of being alive and um you know what's he was funny hot-
0: in most of the movie they he doesn't really talk
1: no no only until uh i think the second movie you know when he goes good you know fire good like yeah.
0: that
1: you know uh yeah, they, they, they ne- they've they never really dealt with this in the movies the way the book is.
0: How about the one um, about Robert De Niro? Did they make the...
1: That one, you know, to be honest with you, that one is one of really like two movies. There's another one called Frankenstein Unbound that came out, I want to say around 1989, 1990. Uh, I think it's a... Uh, I think John Hurt plays the monster in that. But you're talking about the De Niro one. That's that's Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein that came out yeah, that around ninety four, little... I think. Yeah. And that one dealt with some of this. Okay, probably more than other films in the past. But that movie is horrible, man.
0: Yeah, that movie was horrible. But the but the concept was interesting.
1: Well, because it dealt uh, it, it dealt with it a little bit closer to the book. You see the um, uh, you know, the chase in the ice. Yeah. You see at the end and all that. And he does speak a little bit, not too much, but he does speak a little bit, yeah. the monster, you know. Uh, and I think they, i trying to remember, did they use electricity? I don't think they used electricity. I think they used chemicals yeah. like they did in the in the book. Uh, so it was accurate in that sense. But that movie is just so put together, so shitty. And De Niro's terrible. Oh, yeah. Kenneth Branagh is annoying as hell. I remember being psyched to see that and just being like, oh, God, what a piece of
0: garbage. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know what was pretty good? That other Dracula with Keanu Reeves and all those people, that was good. Yeah, that's the Coppola one. Yeah. That's really good. Hey, you know? let me ask you, you keep, this creature had a name, remember?
1: Well, yeah, um, that's another thing, too, is, is in, the, you know, in the movies, he doesn't have a name. Uh, he's put together with dead body parts, all different people. But in the book, um, the monster himself describes, he says, my name should be Adam. Cause I'm like the first man. Yeah. And so there's a couple of times in the book where he's referred to as Adam. But a lot of times when, in the book, when, when Victor Frankenstein is speaking of the, of the creature, he calls him that wretched creature, or, you know, that monster or uh-huh. something yeah. like that, you know, now, uh, Uh, What what happened was when the monster starts telling Victor the story, he tells him how he was horrified that he abandoned him. Uh, He then fled into the wilderness himself, uh, realized that people were repulsed by his his actual appearance. And he ended up hiding in the woods next to this poor family's cottage. And uh, he befriended the father of the family who was actually blind. Yeah. Okay. And he used to go into the cottage when the rest of the family went and spend time with the old man. But the old man didn't know what he looked like because he was blind. And that's always been depicted in the movies, you know, the the blind man getting visited by him. Even in Young Frankenstein, you get that, right? With Gene Hacker playing the old man, you know? But uh, um, once the family discovered him, though, they were frightened, but they started attacking him, and he had to flee. He had to get out of there. So at that point, and when he's running away, he, he looks in a stream and he sees his reflection for the first time and he's horrified by his own self. So, you know, he understood why people now are really running away from him. And he hated Victor for just abandoning him in the first place. But he knew that he had to go to Geneva to find him. And uh, the reason he even knew where he was was because when he was hiding in the woods he found these abandoned books and he taught himself how to read. Yeah. And uh, he had a, a part of Victor's journal with him. And uh, he was able to read it and figure out that that, that uh, Victor went to Geneva. So that's where he went. And uh, he beat him there and he ended up, uh, you know, murdering his brother, William, and then framing that girl, Justine, for the crime. So Victor was right, the... You know, Victor, the, the monster actually murdered his own brother.
0: Yeah, because the monster, you know what, the guy was just lost, looking for some comfort. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Find his place in the world, you know, like where do I
1: belong? Well, that's the thing. You know, it's a sad, sad story because he he didn't ask for for this. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's what happens, and it's it's even more sad. Is the creature demands to Victor that he make a make him a female companion like himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he argues that, you know, I have a right to be happy, okay? So he promises that if Victor makes him a, a mate, that he'll vanish he'll, for, for all forever. He'll get out of there, he'll flee to South America with the female, and, and you'll never see him again. Now, but he makes it clear that if he doesn't help him, that basically the monster's going to kill off everybody Victor loves one by one. Okay, so Victor reluctantly agrees, but he ends up traveling to uh, the Orkney Islands in northern Scotland and he begins working on a female creature. Yeah, but he's kind of like plagued by these these ideas that what he's doing is really wrong. Uh, He says this is going to be a disaster. You know, what if the female creature hates our mate? What if she hates the, the other, the, the, the male creature? Okay, uh, what if she's even more evil than he is? Okay, <laughs> and, then, and then he also thinks like, what if these two mate and they make a child and then all of a sudden there's a whole new race out there of creatures, okay? So at one point while he's working on this, he feels like somebody's watching him and he looks and, and the, the, the original creature he made is, is right outside the window looking at him. So he freaks out, starts tearing apart the female creature, rips it apart, uh, gives up on this. Okay, And the creature sees that what he did, and he busts into the room, breaking everything, uh, threatening Victor that he's going to kill him. Victor runs out of the room with his instruments that he used, chemical instruments and things, uh, to make these creatures. And he sails out to sea. He gets on a ship, and he wants to get rid of them. But it's more like a raft type thing, not a ship, I believe. Um, But while he's out there, he falls asleep and ends up accidentally on the Irish coast. (laughs) Okay, but he got away from the creature for now. Yeah. Um, The creature, in the meantime, okay, to get revenge, he kills uh, Victor's friend Henry and set him and set Victor up for the murder. So, when Victor arrives on the Irish coast, he gets arrested. they're looking for him,
0: yeah, because yeah, he murdered Henry, right now, at that
1: point, he kind of suffers another mental breakdown, and he wakes up in prison and uh however the 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 frame up didn't stick, and they realized that he did not kill Henry, and he's released now he returns back to his father in Geneva um it's there that in Geneva, Victor ends up uh, getting engaged to his fiance Elizabeth. Uh, but he's sure that the creature is following him everywhere he goes. He knows he's not going to get any peace. This thing is going to find him. So um, the night following their wedding, the creature strangles Elizabeth to death. All right. And he sees it. Victor sees it from a window um and he tries to 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 do something he can't do anything and then the, there's a there's a scene where the monster just kind of like tauntingly points at Elizabeth's body when he's looking up at Victor looking down at him now Victor tries to shoot him he, you know he but the creature gets away and a few days later Victor's father actually weakened cuz he's an old man but weakened with all this grief dies And Victor swears revenge at that point and pursues the creature through Europe into Russia with the creature always kind of staying, you know, a little bit ahead of him. A few steps ahead of him. He was always
0: ahead of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He just kept running. And uh, eventually the whole chase ends up at the Arctic Ocean in the direction of the North Pole. And he almost catches up to the monster, but ends up collapsing from exhaustion and hypothermia. Um, The ice flow that was around him begins to break apart. And that's when Captain Walton finds him on the ice. Okay, now at the end of Victor telling the story to Captain Walton, uh, Walton resumes telling his. And a few days after the creature vanishes, the ship became trapped in the ice. Several crewmen died before the rest of the crew insists they turn back south. The crew was beginning to to mutiny. Okay, a little bit. They wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, And Victor gives the crew this speech about staying the course and the glorious undertaking of what they were on, going to the North Pole, uh, finding all the scientific knowledge. He urges them not to be cowards. All right. Now. They're also, obviously, you know, he he wants to use them to help find the creature as well. Yeah. But the, well, uh, the speech made a good impression on the crew, but it wasn't enough to change their minds. They were worried about their own safety. So Walton's ship ends up returning south and Victor claims excitedly that he's going to go on without them and find the monster and destroy him because he has to be destroyed. Unfortunately, Victor dies before he can even, Uh, you know get back on his own feet basically and walton soon discovers that the the creature is actually on his own ship all right and he sees the creature mourning over the body of victor and the, the the monster says uh you know this death has brought has not brought him peace but rather he's even more miserable now that his creator is dead.
0: Yeah, the creator va- is
1: Yeah, I mean, it's his creator. He vows to kill himself. And Walton watches him drift away on an ice raft and never to be seen again. And that's how the story ends in the book.
0: Yeah, All it's right, a so, very tragic story. Like, there's no happy ending for nobody.
1: No, I mean, you know, Victor dies. Walton doesn't get his success at the North Pole. and the, And the monster is... Probably going to kill
0: himself off in the wilderness somewhere, you know. Mike, you know what? This is also is very close to almost Moby Dick. A little bit,
1: a little bit. Moby Dick was written a lot of years later.
0: Yeah, but Moby Dick was also it was uh, pretty much the concept was over like Frankenstein that the guy chased this whale Well, it was
1: about obsession, you
0: and know, it was uh, yeah, this was yeah,
1: obsession too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Frank, uh, Doctor Frankenstein was obsessed with. Creating the creature, and also once the creature got out, he was obsessed on finding him.
0: Yeah, but partially
1: to save his own ass, really, because he knew that the uh, the monster would never leave him alone.
0: You know what's funny that the monster that the actual monster wasn't wasn't uh, Adam; it was actually Doctor Frankenstein was the monster. When you look at it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, who's the monster here? Right, the creator or the or the created? Created. He created you
0: know? that thing. It makes yeah. me like the best Frankenstein movie was uh Brian Frankenstein's.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people agree that the, the the best one would be that one. Uh I I think it is. It's one of the nothing against the first one. The first one I could watch any time. Yeah. But 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 the second one is one I usually go to. It's just it, there's also an element of um an element of uh, humor to it, yeah, as well. And uh, we we talked about Bride of Frankenstein, I think, with uh, with Scott the Clown, yeah, uh, that time. And and I remember, you know, we were discussing how James Whale really didn't want to make that movie, and he kind of did it almost like a tongue in cheek, you know, with a lot of humor in it, kind of thing. That to to because he wasn't serious about making the film. Yeah, But but it was just so well written and everything and so well done. It was actually just as good, if not better, than the first one. Now, the first one came out in 1931. And it was also, of course, directed by James Whale and produced by Carl Lamel Jr. Yeah. Uh, and then it was actually, the story was actually adapted from a play in 1927 written by Peggy Webling. Mm-hmm. So just like Dracula, the, the Bela Lugosi one, this one was also taken from, from a play and adapted like that. Um, it stars actor Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein, uh, an obsessed scientist who digs up corpses with his hunchback assistant named Fritz um, in order to assemble a human body with different parts. Now, Boris Karloff plays the monster. We all know that. Yeah. And uh, the makeup, of course, was done by the Universal Pictures makeup man, Jack Pierce, who did all the makeup in those movies. Um, The film also included universal picture regulars May Clark, John Bulls, uh, Dwight Frye, and Edward Van Sloan, who you remember as Van Helsing in Dracula. Uh, I mean, there's so many classic scenes in that
0: Frank zone. What what, what stands out for you, Rob, in that, the first one? To me, I always, I, I always just like, like, just the way, like, they did the monster because I always thought that was fascinating with the lightning and he put it up there and bringing it down and checking it out. I thought it was fascinating.
1: Yeah. I mean, in those days it's, you know, you watch it now, it's, it's kind of corny because, you know, there's all this like scientific stuff that doesn't mean anything. But in those days people didn't have that knowledge. So any kind of like, you know, you believe the doctors, you believe the scientists, everything they did was like, wow. You know, you're smarter than me so you must be right but if you look at the you know yeah, some of the, like, they the make equipment him
0: look like uh did they make him look smart they made him look more like a mad genius
1: the monster or frankenstein frankenstein yeah. yeah um yeah i mean he he was a mad genius uh obsessed on on this uh there was a couple of failures he had yeah. things that you know he didn't animate the body right and then you know, he realized he need to put the brain back in, but then remember the brain is is not
0: normal. Yeah, but he was like a he was a Greg robber too. The way they
1: yeah, yeah, and and scientists and doctors and stuff were known to do that uh, when they were doing experiments. A lot of times there was like a lack of fresh bodies to use. That used to happen. They used to dig graves, yeah, and stuff to to get the the corpses to work on. That's, uh, that's if funny. you remember in that movie. Uh, that movie Gangs in New York. Oh yeah, with DiCaprio. There's that one scene where they they killed the guy, and they're like, "What are we gonna do with him?" And then uh, DiCaprio gets the idea to sell his body to the to, to doctors.
0: Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, worked. Now, um,
1: my my favorite scenes though in the in the first one always stand out is with the with the little girl. Yeah. Okay, and uh. You know, th- that was actually censored.
0: You know that story? What do you mean it was censored with the
1: little girl? Well, well, what we see now in that scene was cut out originally for many, many years. It was banned uh, in many states when it was released because he, he drowns that little girl in the water. He throws her in the water. Yeah. And then you see uh, she doesn't get up, so you know she drowned. That was, that was, uh, that was cut out of the movie in 1931 in a lot of states. Uh, for instance, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and even New York uh, banned it, saying it was, it was too much to watch him throw the girl into the water. Um, also, there's a scene that's lost forever. We've never seen it in the original form. And it was because it was cut out and never put back in. And, you know, universal lost the footage or whatever like that. But there's a scene when, uh there's a character named victor he's not the he's not the in this version victor is not the uh dr frankenstein the doctor's name is henry yeah so there's a character named victor that says to henry frankenstein henry in the name of god and then henry replies back in the name of god now i know what it's like to be god oh wow all right, and they cut that out of the movie. and It's never been put back in. It's lost forever. I can see why they did that. Well, all the religious. It was, yeah, people were more religious back then. It was considered blasphemous. Um, uh, you know, like I said, the girl being thrown in, in the water, that scene was eventually restored. Okay. But I think it took until about the 1960s before that was put back in. Um, in fact, in Ireland, the whole movie was banned until the 1960s. Okay, you couldn't see Frankenstein in Ireland until nineteen sixty-five. It was considered unsuitable for children and nervous people. <laughs> wow. Gotta watch it, gotta watch out for those nervous people, right? The the
0: because when they made uh the bio it was years and years later, man. It was four years later, nineteen thirty-five. That's a long time, That's, you know that.
1: Well, a long time for a sequel. Um you know, and sequels were not common in those days. This might be the first sequel. To be yeah, I think,
0: I, think we, I think this is
1: the first. Uh, we did sequel, say that, yeah. right? I think we talked about that once before. Now, the sequel, in this case, like I, like I mentioned, is it, to me, it's better than the original. Now, Elsa Lanchester plays the monster's bride in this, okay? Um, but if you look at the credits, it, it always had a question mark. Why? Just to keep it a mystery. That she never was credited. And she was um uh, a pretty famous actress, uh, mostly I think on the stage and silent movies, and then she moved to regular films. She's known because she was married to Charles Norton. Okay. And Charles Norton was the guy who did um uh he did the the, the second version of um Hunchback of Notre Dame, the one with sound. Okay. And he also directed um Night of the Hunter. Which is an amazing movie. You know that movie, right? Yeah, I'm probably the one with Robert. The one with Robert Mitchum. Yeah, where where he is uh, a crooked. He pretends to be a reverend sometimes, and that's when he's got the the tattoo of love and hate on his hand. Oh, and he yeah. tells the whole thing about love, man. I haven't you know seen that in
0: years, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. That. It's a great. It's a great movie. He ends up he's he chases the kids through the countryside yeah. and and. They end up staying with this old lady, and, and it's it's a, an amazing movie. I, I love that flick. Uh, it's the only movie Charles Norton ever directed, but she was married to him. Um, then came in 1937, Son of Frankenstein, and Call again did this part, okay? But it's the last time that he would play the monster. Uh, 1942, they brought out The Ghost of Frankenstein, when Lon Chaney Jr. plays the monster that time. Yeah. And then in 1943, it's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. So you have Lon Chaney Jr. playing the Wolfman and Bella Lugosi plays the monster.
0: That's crazy. Now,
1: yeah, now Bella Lugosi actually tried out for the original Frankenstein. Uh there's footage out there of him in the makeup, but it didn't work out. I think he just, you know, didn't want to do that part at that time. Uh now that after that Uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman after that is House of Frankenstein in 1944 Boris Karloff is actually in that but he actually plays the mad scientist in that one and you have actor Glenn Strange playing the monster Uh, he would reprise that role, role again in 1945's House of Dracula Glenn Strange would play the monster one more time in Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein in 1948 um, but you know, the, the images of, a Frankenstein monster, uh, and again, over the years, we've talked about this, Rob, over the years, the word Frankenstein kind of morphed into meaning the monster as well. All
0: right. It was, and I don't, right. Meaning the monster. Yeah, well,
1: it, it, I don't know how that happened. Uh, I, I read about it a little bit that, uh, in reviews, sometimes people would refer to something as a Frankenstein monster, okay, even if they weren't talking about the actual Frankenstein story, they were referring to something else. Oh, that's a real Frankenstein's monster, you know. Somehow, the word Frankenstein now, when people hear it, they think of the monster himself, but that's not really accurate. Um, what's one of the one of the most classic? images of Frankenstein, I would say the monsters, right? Yeah. You know, and you think of that, uh, young Frankenstein was made in the early seventies and it parodied the, you know, the great one, the great films, that kind of parodies bright of Frankenstein really more than the original. Uh, you know, and, um, it's, it's, it's been done so many times. It's just so much in our culture, you know, like to have this like monster, Pop up. I mean, every Halloween, right? You see Frankenstein things and all that. You know,
0: I still say uh, that um, Young Frankenstein. It's probably it's, it's it's a it's a joke, but it's such a great movie.
1: Yeah, Peter yeah. Boy the, again. The
0: again, just like Blazing Saddles. You know, Mel no Brooks could
1: never make Young Frankenstein yeah, today. But Peter Boy was great at. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was. Just when he sets his thumb on fire, that's just one of the fun- <laughs> funniest scenes ever. Yeah. I mean, it's, people make the argument that Young Frankenstein's the funniest movie ever made. And it's up there. It definitely is. But, you know, on a down note here, a different, different note, I should say. I mean, if you think about Frankenstein and the story, okay, what is it really about? It's about a guy playing God, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Trying to create people, a person, a human being. Something that you shouldn't be messing around with now, uh what about in society today, Rob, okay, Where do you see anybody playing God? we see people play God all the time, well, yeah, okay, but in one of the best examples of people doing that is cloning,
0: oh yeah, but right you know, now when, now, when it comes now cloning, to cloning has anybody yeah. successful, I know we have cloned animals and stuff, but is there a human out there that's actually cloned? Like, you know what? There's been speculation and stuff, but do we have any evidence of human cloning?
1: I think I think in the eighties or nineties there was a, a UN treaty that countries signed on to agreeing not to clone a person. Okay. But some countries didn't sign up on or sign off on it. One of those was Brazil. Okay. And uh mm you never know. Okay, now the the history of cloning is is goes back though to 1952 when a tadpole was cloned by American biologists, all right? And then in 1963 a carp, which is a fish, was was cloned in China. Um there, then in 81 there was another animal called a zebrafish. Uh in the 80s they also cloned mice. But it wasn't until 1996 that we really kind of started hearing about all this uh, when they cloned a sheep. Remember Dolly the sheep? Yeah. Remember that was all over the news yeah. and
0: everything that they, cl- they cloned her? I always thought um, they wanted to clone like uh, animals just for food.
1: Well, I mean, that's what they, they thought they could do or they could weed out diseases maybe yeah. that they normally get. But one thing with, with cloning um Higher order animals like sheep, okay, is that you there's always seems to be a, a weakening of their lungs. The cloned animals' lungs always seem to have, be a problem. Uh, nobody knows why that is, uh, but the, you know, a lot of these animals that have been cloned when they've died, they found it was related to lung disorders. All right, now after the sheep, they started cloning monkeys, cats, pigs, cattle. Uh, dogs, horses, goats, and even ferrets, okay, have been cloned. But again, as far as we know, no human being has ever been cloned. Now, you
0: ever heard the rumor like supposedly in Canada they actually have cloned human beings
1: and they lived
0: and they lived there and they have they have integrated. They have taken over other people's like lives. It's weird. It's like a weird thing you know, in Canada. Have you ever heard of that
1: have, no i've I've never heard that um that's interesting uh, you know where is this being done, and who's doing it?
0: you know there's somebody i I think we we could do a whole conspiracy of fucking um Canadian clones, and you'll be like, holy shit, but there's supposedly one or two clones out there that they they were human clones and it's from Canada
1: yeah yeah I, I look I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried it, you know Chinese maybe but or somebody they, but they that. put
0: them in there just to see if they can mix in.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if the, if the person survives growing up, okay. I mean, that's the thing, you know, when you're cloning, it's you're creating an exact replica of, 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 another human being. Okay. In other words, if I was to clone myself, I would take all the DNA from myself and put it into an, an empty egg that they would create and inseminate with that DNA. And, you know, when they do it with animals, they, there's different processes. And sometimes th- one process doesn't work and they go to another process. And once they start seeing the cells divide, they know that it's going to be a success to that point. Yeah. Okay. And then they'll put, they'll put it in, they artificially inseminate it. For instance, if it's a sheep, they'll put it in a female sheep. And then that sheep will be pregnant and give birth to a cloned sheep doesn't even have to be them. It could be another one.
0: Yeah. You want to hear something interesting about that, too. You know what the cloning was actually going to be? It was actually going to be for um, body parts. Like if you had a bad liver or a bad...
1: Yeah, that's another thing they're looking at is they want to be able to clone hearts, uh, lungs, body parts, livers, uh, you know. So these things can, you know, like your body won't reject it because it'll be you. It'll be you, yeah. But this is all crazy shit. You don't know what you can do with that. You know what I mean? There's something, something is going to go wrong with it. Um, another thing they've tried to do, and, and they haven't had success yet, but they're getting close, is is bringing back extinct animals through clone, cloning. Okay? And, and one thing they've been trying to bring back is the woolly mammoth. Yeah. Because they found, like... Pristine, frozen samples of woolly mammoths, body parts or, or or whole animals, in the ice in places like Siberia and stuff like that, and uh, they think that they could bring it back to life, and and, and an elephant would bring it to term. So imagine they start bringing back woolly mammoths. You ever saw? be like yep. like be like Jurassic Park, you know.
0: Mike, you ever saw Jurassic Park?
1: <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Be just like Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if they could do that with just the smallest little amount of DNA, you could bring back dinosaurs because they've got little tiny pieces of their DNA. Yeah, but you know what the All
0: problem right? with that: if you're like a religious fanatic and you bring down dinosaurs, technically, if you're a religious fanatic, you don't believe that the Earth is that old either.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, there's, if you follow the, uh, if you follow the, the biblical texts and stuff, the earth is only five, 6,000 years old. Yes. We know it's much older than oh, that.
0: Of course you know that, but there's people are denial, you know, there's people that are religious and you start bringing something like a dinosaur and they don't fucking, you know how many people will, I think that's the only reason they haven't gone full blown with this shit.
1: I think it's just the the idea of of like I said playing God. Yeah. Okay. Pe- people just don't feel comfortable with that. You're bringing something to life that you shouldn't mess with. And I get it. Okay. But you don't have to actually clone something, or uh, you know create it with chemicals or like Frankenstein with electricity. You could do something called eugenics. Okay. Now the eugenics programs, which the theories began in Europe and then they came over to the United States in the early part of the 20th century. And basically it was you, the idea of creating a perfect human by proper breeding or weeding out what they considered defective problems with you. And that, that, you know, we know where all that went. Okay. Uh, You know, what's considered defective is going to be, basically up to whatever the politics of the day is. All right. Now, (laughs) have you
0: ever seen the movie twin?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did. see.
0: So the defection would be Danny DeViro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. He's the, he's the defective. But what I'm talking about is eugenics and, 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 you know, like it goes back thousands of years, even before there was a word for it, because the, the ancient Spartans in Greece, if you were weak or sick, as a child they just left you out to die yeah okay you had sent somewhere in the woods and tied to a tree and and you and you died the romans did the same thing okay they would they would like if somebody was deformed or you know handicapped for some reason you couldn't do anything you know they just kick you out of out of rome into the wilderness and that's it you just died because they didn't want you now early German tribes would kind of kill people that were deemed cowards or if they weren't warlike enough, they used to drown them if they felt they weren't tough enough.
0: All
1: right. Now that's a a form of eugenics. You're getting rid of what you consider weak and defective. Now um, who decides this right now? You think about the early 20th century um, when eugenics was the talk of the day. You had Margaret Sanger. Yeah. Okay. Margaret Sanger was a racist. Okay. And she believed that the darker races, uh, you know, brown and black people, uh, were inferior and they should be weeded out. And that's how Planned Parenthood got started. Okay. Weeding out minorities. That they, she would give them birth control so they wouldn't repopulate. Wow. All right, see so she's as much of a monster as Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. In my book. Okay, that's the way I see it. Um, and of course, you know, she's revered today as you know, a great uh person of, of uh you know, women's lib or whatever, but that's just not the case when you read into it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was all it was deal. all done to it was all done to get rid of, you know, black people, basically. And that's where today even Planned Parenthood locations are all over minority areas, okay? In white areas, they're called fertility centers. In in black areas, they're called Planned Parenthood. The abortion clinic. Think about that, all right? But the Nazis purging Europe of the Jews, okay, that was, and, and, and the forced sterilizations that they did of handicapped people or or people that they just deemed undesirable. You're weeding out an undesirable. So you're you're creating a better race and therefore you're playing God again. Right? That's crazy, man. Yeah. It is. It is. And you know, it even got put into law. Uh there was called the Nuremberg Laws of nineteen thirty five, uh, where certain people could not mix. You could you know, if you were a German person, you couldn't marry a Jew. Okay, because if you if you created a half Jewish kid, you were creating an inferior person. They believed this and they believed it, uh, you know, across the population. It became a mainstream belief and everybody went for it. Um, There was something called the Liebensborn program in Germany where they through breeding and sometimes adoption, they were trying to create the perfect Aryan race. If you wanted to be in the SS. You had to trace back your German roots all the way to the 1700s.
0: Damn.
1: Okay, Uh, yeah. And then, you know, if you didn't have any defective people in your, you know, uh, uh, a Jewish grandfather somewhere, (laughs) you know what I mean, or a a cousin, all right, uh, you were okay if you didn't have that, all right. But they also had the Liebensborn program, which was actually a place for women to go and, and they would have, you know, the SS soldiers would have sex with them to create a baby. It didn't have to do with relationships like, Oh, this is my wife and we're going to have a kid. It was specifically meant for breeding. So SS guys would go and have sex with these women that were deemed perfect Aryan specimens and they would have children. Wow! And these children, some of these children are still alive today. Okay. They were born in the 1930s and and forties. They're still alive today. They're old. But they were part of that Liebman's Born program and they ended up being adopted later or this and that. But they would they would be, you know, basically born out of a, out of the eugenics program, which was trying to create life, a certain kind of life. All right, so, you know, it's interesting you have these connections with Frankenstein and, and eugenics and cloning. But it really all comes down to like you know somebody really trying to play God. Yeah, it that. that is
0: now you know what that line was taken out
1: out of the movie. Yeah, right now I know what it's like to be God. Well, you know that's not good. No, it's never
0: good. <laughs> it's never good.
1: You know, some things just should not
0: be messed with. Wow, what a hell of an episode today, Mike.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we sound too smart.
0: What do you think? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I might think we're credible. <laughs> and you get uh, history lesson
1: um, about that whole genetic shit and all that other stuff. Holy shit, man! Yeah, well, I mean, you know, people, people, you know, point to Nazi Germany for everything, right? Oh, you know, you, you're a Nazi, you're a Nazi. But I mean, some of the stuff that they ended up doing, they got from us, okay? Yeah. Because these things were these things were in in America before. Margaret Sanger was 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 following that eugenics idea to weed out undesirable races to create the best kind of human being, which was in her image of just a white person, really. I mean, because she was she was racist and now she's revered as this great human being. I don't get it. You know, it's like a complete whitewash of somebody. But
0: whatever. You can always yeah. change history if you if you take out enough books and stuff, you, you yeah. change to make somebody's history look a lot better than what they really were. Right. I mean the
1: idea is keep you stupid and then nobody you can get away with anything because nobody has any point of reference.
0: You know what was funny was I heard somebody say the other day? Somebody called me a Nazi. Don't okay. a Nazi. I'm not a liberal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you know, we've we've talked about no, this. I mean, nobody, that's where all that comes from. Nobody
0: got it. It was. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was brilliant, actually.
1: Yeah, and of course nobody got it.
0: And no, but nobody got it. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. When you look into history later on, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck, man?" Cause
1: yeah, it's, yeah. it's all. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there. Um, yeah. So that's all I got
0: today, Rob, on this great subject. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> Uh, so how can people reach you if they wanna uh, get to you? Okay. Uh first of all I
1: just wanna say that uh we've gotten some great chart results lately. We're doing very well. The getting lumped up shows, uh Conspiracy four two oh, the rock show, Rocker Mike and Rob Presents, and of course the freak show, uh your let's dig in and, and everything that we do, uh it's starting to rise. And and we're one what were we one thirty four the other day in America? One thirty three. One thirty three. So, you know, once we crack that one hundred, uh, just so you know, the nineties or stuff like Michelle Obama's podcast, Mark Levin's podcast, Glenn Beck—we're coming for all you people. I'm telling you, we're gonna be bigger. We're gonna, and we're still bigger than Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Hey, but they had
0: a hell of an interview yesterday. They fucking shit on the whole royal family.
1: I did. I did watch it, and uh, <laughs> it, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. that was—that was great. <laughs> She just squatted and took a nice dump on the queen with those
0: comments. I hope the kid doesn't come out too brown. <laughs> oh my God. And they, and
1: who do you think said it? It had to be the queen, right? Or Prince Charles. I think
0: it's the main queen. I think it's
1: Yeah. Yeah, the queen the queen's like oh, how dark is that kid gonna come out? <laughs> how racist can you fucking be, right? well, uh, I, I <laughs> that's just that. that's Great. just wrong, man. Great.
0: It's America. So where can we find...
1: Okay, so you want to find me online? I'm uh, rockermike212 on Instagram, rockermike3 on Twitter, but I think my Twitter account is still suspended. Um, I'm on uh, Parler under Rocker Mike. I'm on Clout Hub under Rocker Mike, and I'm on MeWe under Rocker Mike. And, of course, Facebook, Michael Baker, and then you have the Rock Show Podcast group page that me and you are on. So... We're all over the place, Rob. Where can we find you?
0: You can find me at any um thing that's lumped up. If you look getting lumped up on uh, Google or any place, you see a picture of me, my big head, and you know you <laughs> right. You know you got the right place, and it's um we're on every kind of platform. Uh-huh.
1: Spotify, Pandora,
0: Apple, Google Pod. We're on every single platform, and um. If you like the show and would like to support the show, uh, go to dot ProWrestlingTea.com Pro at Getting Lumped Up and buy some of the T-shirts. And uh, we'll put all everything, any kind of money we make or bring in, goes back into the show so we can give you the best show possible, you know? And that's pretty much where we're in the face now. We're trying to raise uh, money for the show. And um, from there on, we're going to see what we we'll Because go, there's going to be a lot of episodes. I'm trying to move forward to having at least one episode a day come out every day until we can get a bunch of shows all together and have something every day so people can listen to Because The one thing that this business is that you got to have something new every day. You got The more podcasts you take, the more stuff you put up, the better it is, you know? So if you put in something like four shows a week, you put up four shows a week. Like the rock show. The rock show is every Sunday and you know every Sunday you're going to get a new show.
1: Right. That's pretty much, uh, you know, every Sunday. We never miss that. And then the conspiracies, we've been trying to do more of them. Um, I don't even know what we're going to talk about next on Conspiracy. we got to figure something out.
0: We're, we're always figuring something out, but there's so much yeah. that we can talk to that you don't even need conspiracy. Be, the people themselves are people dumb enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. When people believe some outrageous shit, Holy so we'll talk shit. about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. People are losing their minds every day. Yep, yep. All right, Rob. So thank you everybody for another great show. Yep. And thank you for okay. all the notes you had, Mike. And um remember we don't get drunk. We We get lumped up.